This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, you know, we are learning more every day about all sorts of things that we've had to deal with for well, hundreds of years, different types of physical illnesses, different types of mental illnesses. And you can add now schizophrenia to that as well. For many years, decades, really, it was so misunderstood. But we're even, you know, being able to push the envelope of what we understand about this illness as well. And we're going to learn more about it this morning. Johnny Thompson joins us now, professor of philosophy at Oxford University and author of uh, Mini Philosophy, A Small Book of Big Ideas. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is fascinating work that you're doing here because with schizophrenia, do we fully understand even what it is all about and how it impacts people? Uh, not really. Um, so as with kind of all mental health conditions, there are, um, there are many kind of varied manifestations across different patients, really. Um, the kind of neuropathologies behind it are quite confusing and as kind of unyet unmapped. We have ideas, but um, well, my kind of focus was really about the kind of the stereotypes and the kind of the biases and the, uh, the misrepresentation, particularly in popular culture, of um, schizophrenia. So uh, I came at it from a philosopher's point of view. Right. And talking about, about, about the concepts we have of, of certain kind of mental health conditions, particularly. So all the concepts we have will come from some source. Um, so often that'll be some kind of first hand experience. So if you think of like a, like a tree or, or, a, or a mountain, that will be from some kind of experience you have had yourself of that. Um, and of course, this is no different for mental health conditions as well. So for things like depression or anxiety or even things like anorexia, um, they are sufficiently common now in society that I suspect that your image of them will come from someone either you know personally or possibly even yourself or someone in your family. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I think that the uh, the stigma and the misrepresentation of those is on the decline because I think we're more aware of those kind of issues. But what happens with like, uh, associative identity uh, disorder or bipolar disorder where they're uh, still uh, much less common in everyday society? So it's Actually, more common than you probably think, it's estimated around that uh, and have more schizophrenia. Um, and of course, hopefully we'll have time to talk about, you know, there are grades of that and different varieties of schizophrenia. But um, so when you, so you face a problem here. So how, what, where, do your, where does your idea or your stereotype of these mental health conditions come from? And often that's going to be some kind of third person account um, or third party. And for most people, uh, most of the time, I suspect that'll be a movie. Right. or um, popular culture. I, I want to go just yeah. go back to something that you just said there is that there's different types of schizophrenia. See, like I think even saying that would be news mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important to note that. So essentially, early stage schizophrenia is really hard to diagnose and identify both for the uh, for the the patient and also for the medical profession. Um so as I was researching for this, uh, one, one of the cases I came across was someone who manifested certain conditions of paranoia and anxiety, which alone aren't uh, necessarily that big an issue. And lots of, lots of the population will have uh, some form of that across their lifetime. And so what happened, they were diagnosed with a, more, uh, a mood disorder, sorry, and they were given some medications and told to go away from that. And of course, what happened is it got worse. And this is the thing for early stage schizophrenia, it is essentially a, a very uh, extreme form of uh, paranoia or anxiety. 
of course, um, what makes schizophrenia schizophrenia is when it kind of manifests into kind of um, hallucinations, which is the next stage. Um, and so, I, again, I, I have to stress it does vary from person to person, from patient to patient, but uh, it tends to be that auditory hallucinations are the, are the first level of hallucination, and, and then, that, then that kind of uh, progresses into being uh, visual hallucinations. Um, so they... The auditory hallucinations, they'll vary from person to person, and they will even vary in tone as well. So perhaps we get this idea that schizophrenia is, is an overwhelmingly uh, negative experience for, for everyone. But actually, there are cases where the auditory and visual hallucinations can be positive. Um, there have been cases where people have heard voices of someone who's actually quite um, reassuring or really? even funny. And yeah, yeah. Um, and likewise, with the visual hallucinations, I came across this story um, of a Mexican-American lady who uh, who would see her dead children come back to her pretty much after every dinner and they'd reassure her that they were okay in the afterlife and she was herself reassured by this experience. So, yeah, they can, they can be a positive experience, but I, I do have to say that, you know, schizophrenia isn't, isn't, isn't a, a positive thing for most people. They are, it is a, uh, a negative experience, which has very kind of like... Um, uh kind of so, so just for an example uh jason jepson in his article on schizophrenia who is a schizophrenic himself he said that all of these the voices and the, and, and the visual hallucinations he had are are out to get him to defeat him and to put him down and that's overwhelmingly the experience of most schizophrenics it, it, it's a manifestation of an underlying anxiety and paranoia and uh johnny yeah. do you think we're Sorry. making more of an effort uh today to understand that Right. It used to be that we had mm. one thought about that and we that was it. That, that, that was our one experience with it, as you were pointing out. And that's what we were going to think about it. But now we seem to make more of an effort to say, well, wait a minute. No, there's, there's more going on here. I think so. I, I certainly think so. Um, again, as, as, as I said at the start, uh, if, if our only idea of schizophrenia comes from uh, like popular culture, essentially, I mean, with, with schizophrenia, you have one one movie which really stands out as the kind of the big popular culture, and that's uh, the film uh, A Beautiful Mind, right? Yes. Where Russell Crowe um, uh, represents John Nash from the uh, late 1940s and early 50s, who yeah had schizophrenia, and in that movie, of course, you know Hollywood's Hollywood's um, aim is to make an entertaining film they want to make something which is interesting and so they don't feel like they have a duty to representing the conditions properly or even the duty to um to uh, be sympathetic to the conditions. so in that movie you have nash who actually um i don't know if you've seen the movie yourself there's a, there's a scene where uh he he sees so what he thinks the soviet police coming to arrest him as he's doing a speech and this is obviously a very extreme form of visual hallucination but uh actually in nash's own account and in nash's own uh diaries this didn't happen he he had what we might refer to as a kind of mild to moderate schizophrenia where he he heard voices and he had this paranoia but he didn't have necessarily those kind of whole scale of visual hallucinations so if of course your only account your, your only uh, understanding of schizophrenia comes from a movie like the uh, beautiful mind then yes you're going to see it as being only this very extreme form of um, schizophrenia but i think you're right i think we are trying to make an, an effort to understand uh, not just schizophrenia but i think mental health um, more broadly actually i think we're much more kind of sympathetic to the idea of neurodiversity and the idea that um necessarily the stigmatization of mental health is something of the past but yeah. the hallucination part that you talked about is so important there because i think some mm. people struggle with understanding well why don't people just take medication right why don't they just take yeah. but the, with schizophrenia there's also the key in that the med for some people the medication is ne not necessarily something that they want well absolutely and, and that's actually one of the things which um uh, Russell Crowe's character Nash does do in, in, in A Beautiful yeah. Mind 
I have to stress actually here that one of the possibly the the negative uh, stereotypes presented in a beautiful mind is ha- is the uh, the the negativity of the medication and because he says in, there's one scene in the movie where he says he's worried that medication is dulling his you know undoubtedly brilliant mind um and that might have been true in the 40s um but i i have to say that medication today for very different almost yeah. all yeah exactly and it's overwhelmingly a positive experience and so there is a risk with a movie like that if you if you're emphasizing the uh the the dulling or the negative effects of certain types of medication that actually it uh puts people off taking medication and as i say people who who have moderate to extreme forms of schizophrenia are, are overwhelmingly uh, benefiting from medication. And um, I should actually say about the medication point of view that uh, you, you mentioned the hallucinations, and that is essentially one of the, the hallmarks and, and, and the defining characteristics of schizophrenia. And all of the medications, or most of the medications, I should say, that deal with schizophrenia are antipsychotic um, drugs. They will, they will tackle the hallucinations as being the, uh, the positive manifestations of schizophrenia. Um, so... I don't know how much you want to go into the, into no, that's the, just the, so, the brain chemistry of it. No, this is it just it's a different type of philosophy. I know that's what you study and specialize in too here, but this mm. really speaks to how everybody needs to think about these things differently, doesn't it? Well, absolutely, yeah. And and seeing it's according to mental health and mental illnesses and mental diseases, I think that's really important. And like a disease, you know, it, there are, there are underlying biochemical uh, factors which are causing this. And I think. Um, the popular culture kind of representation of mental health conditions as being dangerous, kind of uh, insane or kind of like homicidal is obviously very dangerous. And it goes back to Psycho in the 1960s or someone who had dissociative uh, identity disorder. And it, it went all the way through to Rain Man and even into oh, a Beautiful yeah. Mind. And I think I think uh, we, we're doing better with today. I think I think modern TV programs and modern movies are much more sympathetic to the idea. Um, but I think, yeah, this, this negative representation of stereotypes and mental health has always been damaging. But as I say, Hollywood's, Hollywood hasn't got a duty to the medical profession. They haven't got a duty to being uh, honest. They have a duty to entertainment. And being subtle and appreciating the grades and the nuances of mental health is, is not really a movie maker's um, ambition. <laughs> no, but that's something <laughs> we can strive for instead. Johnny, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me.